Exodus chapter 2. We're going to talk today about the sigh, the cry, and the shriek. Can you say that? Say shriek. Haven't heard that word in a while, have you? Yeah, it's a real word. And it happens a lot. The sigh, the cry, and the shriek, Exodus 2, 21. And let's go there together in Jesus' name. Thank you, musicians and singers, for being incredible, being anointed, and sharing your heart today. It helps so much with the atmosphere to get ready for the word of the Lord. And uh, I can't wait to hang around at the end of service. Let's pray, and then we're going to baptism in Jesus' name. God, is, God has got great things for this service, so hang in there. We traditionally only have one service, so we get it all done. We get nice and hungry, and then we go eat somewhere. And we try not to fast too much on Sundays. We get that done during the middle of the week so that we can fellowship and break bread together like the Bible says. Exodus 2.21, And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter, and she bare him a son. And he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. This is the King James Version, a little bit older language. Verse 23, And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed. Everybody say sighed. By reason, because of the bondage. They sighed because they were, of, they were in bondage. And then everybody say, and they cried. And the cry came up unto God because of the bondage. The sigh and the cry, very clear in Scripture. Verse 24, and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, their forefather, Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. These words all matter. You're going to use them later, okay? So stay with me. If you don't like to study, then it's hard to get something from God's word, okay? This is not just emotional preaching. There's a content here. I want you to catch every word. Everything we are is because of the word of God. In fact, you don't know if I'm real if you don't follow along with me. I could just be a trickster up here. And so if you don't follow the word, I could just be playing you right now. So let's follow the word, okay? Let's live by the word. And so everything we're seeing so far, take every word in. Go to chapter 3, verse 1. Now Exodus chapter 2 is ending. Now we're going to turn over to chapter 3. And we're going to continue the story where it was left all, all here in order, okay? Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. Verse 4, and when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. Let's go to verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction. God is telling the same story twice using different words. Now he says, I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry by reason of their... That's not what it said in chapter 2. Something happened. I, I heard their cry by reason not of, of the bondage, but by reason of the taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. Something has changed now. Verse 8. 
And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto the good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Prezizites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me. Everybody say, the cry come to God. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee, Moses, unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Time's up. I'm getting my people out of this bondage. Is anybody thankful for this word today? So how'd they get out? There was, and you're going to see today, there was a sigh involved. There was a cry involved. And there's a secret one later. There was a shriek involved. Everybody say in Jesus' name. All right, you can be seated and get nice and comfy, but get ready to, to preach with the preacher today and say amen and all that. If you like it, say amen. If you agree, say amen. If you don't like it, just be patient. Maybe it'll get better later. After a rough start, Moses escaped the Egyptian life. If you look at the history in the Bible, you find that Moses was raised as an Israelite in the wrong home. He was adopted by the Egyptians. And as he escaped that life of Egypt because he murdered an Egyptian trying to defend his Israelite uh, family members, um, he had to run away and leave. He was afraid that he would get caught. And as he got out to the desert, uh, the Bible tells us that he got him a wife and he was content. He must have got a good wife because he was content. Living in the desert, he's got a wife, he's content, but the Bible says that when his son was born, out of all the names he could have picked for his son, he picked Gershom, which, yeah, it's funny in itself, but that wasn't really quite the point until he started laughing, and now I think it's funny, because he said he was a stranger in a strange land. Baby, I love you. I love everything that's happening here. I'm absolutely content, but I'm a stranger in a strange land. Yep. Yep. What's that all about? He was content, but he was not convinced. Ever been there before? Ever been content, but something on the inside nagged at you? And you said, this is not where I fit? Even though I'm content, this is not enough. Even though I kind of like everything, it's, something's missing. He was content, but he was not convinced. He knew that this was easier, but it wasn't right. He knew that this was easy, but it wasn't right. You see, while he may have been content, he is still haunted by the slavery and the suffering of his people back in Egypt. It wasn't good enough for him to get out when so many of his loved ones were still in, does anybody relate with this, this heartbeat of Moses that it's not good enough for me to get out of that world? It's not good enough for me to be free. 
It's not good enough for me to have my family and my blessing and my shouting and have all my anointing and my church and my pastor because I might be content living for God, but I am. I know there's more out there for me. I know there's a calling that God wants to put on my life. I know there's something else that's missing in my life. And just like Moses, I feel like this word is for us right now. We can't get content. We can't get complacent. It might feel like we're in a good place, but there are others out there, and they need to hear the message of Jesus. They need to have us get out of our comfort zone and go out there in Jesus' name and tell them, if I can get out, if I can be blessed, then you can get out and you can be blessed too. This is how you can seemingly have everything and not have enough. Hallelujah. God's speaking to us right now. God's telling you that the bills being paid is not enough. And finding a spouse is not enough. There is so much more, Moses. Your people, your people, hear me, Delvalians. Your people are broken and hurting. Hear me, East Austins. Your people are hurting and broken. You can't just keep this to yourself. You've got to go back. You'll never be content not giving it away. Most miserable people in the world are Christians that don't give outside of what God gave to them. You want to backslide and quit God? Just go ahead and start getting content. Go ahead and start getting comfortable. Go ahead and think that this is all about you. That's dangerous ground. He saves you to save others. It's multiplication by exponential plans. God wants to take one and make two and two and make four. He wants to multiply us. He wants to spread the gospel. He wants to get this thing out. He doesn't just save us to save us. He saves us so others may be saved. God saves to save. Thank you, Jesus. The first way that God, God's bound people expressed their frustration to God was in their... <sighs> their sigh. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't get quiet. Everybody just sigh. <sighs> Got to get into the spirit of it to catch what I'm trying to preach today. Do you know, y'all passive-aggressive folk? A lot of ladies do this, too. <sighs> Sweetheart, what doth thy sigh mean? Oh, you don't understand? I'll do it again. <sighs> Would you like more money? Would you like a new car? Would you like me to take the trash out? Maybe a massage. What do you need? <sighs> Read my mind. <laughs> Guys do it too, but we can have a little bit of a grunt. <clears throat> Is that right, Matthew? We got a little bit of. Uh. It's still a sigh. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about today. The Bible says that they were, they were frustrated, and they began to sigh. And the Hebrew word for sigh is a knock, which means to express frustration, usually without words. Because you don't have to use words to let everybody know you're frustrated. 
Well, at Christians, we get our mouth in check, but not our face. But we have found ways to let everybody know we're going through it, haven't we? I'm not going to say it because uh, my life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so there's no telling what your tongue is doing when they make the face that you're. Your tongue is just hidden, but it's still curled up. Yeah. I imagine them just grunting noises when another rock was loaded on their back. Like, ah! You know, you got to be careful saying it because when you say it, it's on. You mean bully! What was that? Never mind, I love you. You're a great slave master. There's consequences when you open your mouth. See, you know, that's why you just kind of pout. You get your, Jesus called it a fasting face. Get your fasting face on. Because the Bible says, don't tell anybody you're fasting. So instead, you just be like, I'm not eating. It's amazing how we, uh, we can have nonverbal communication and say everything. But because we don't say something bad, we're good people. What, what is this thing about, I can't help my face? No, you're right. You don't help your face. You help your heart. It, it, it's not the, you're not trying to fake people out when you're fasting. You're trying to get a new perspective. That fasting is not bad. That's, that's the difference, is that the heart is not right. It shows up on your face. By all means, be honest, be real, be transparent, but be righteous. Because if you're righteous on the inside, it'll show up on your face on the outside. But we are sneaky these days. We are. We won't complain with our words. We complain every other way. So that people know that we are hurting. And you know what happens whenever you bait people in with your body language? They'll go, what's wrong, darling? And you'll say, "Mm mm-mm. You look so humble, don't you? You look so humble. I, I can't talk about it. I'm not a gossiper. I'm begging you to tell me what's wrong. I'm here to help you. If you beg, I guess I must. It's called the body language bait. And you act like something's so bad, and you have no intention of saying anything bad until your friend begs you to to disclose the information. And then it's not your fault for saying the ugly thing that's about to come out next. It's their fault. And then you tell God, I didn't want to, God. They made me. I don't like that spirit. That's not right. That's not right. Trying to get manipulation on people. Look, if you're sad, fix it. Stop sighing. Stop complaining. And deal with it. 
Nobody wants to hang out with you. But I don't say anything bad. How come no one likes me? Look in the mirror. Get a selfie stick. Let it follow you around. Get a drone. I don't know what to tell you. But there are ways to see that you're telling everybody that you're sour and you have no faith and you're depressed and you're angry and you're mad. But I'm not saying anything wrong. You're sighing. And sighing does not change anything. It just makes things worse. Oh, God, help us. Yep. Dare not say it, but everybody knows. Lord, thank you. You think that if you can sigh enough, maybe God will hear you and save you without you having to humble yourself and ask. Huh, God, huh. My marriage, huh. So much pride. If I just act like I'm mad, if I just pretend that everything's not good, then God will read my mind. People will come to my rescue. People will fix things that are wrong. If I just say sour enough and play the victim, the squeakiest wheel gets the grease. Not in God's world. In God's world, complaining does not move God. In God's world, complaining and being sour does not create change gossiping all the time about what you're going through to people because you want someone to get on your side does not change a thing. Go to the source of the problem and fix the reason behind it. Stop delaying. They can't help you. They can't fix you. Showing a sour face and body language to people that is a God issue. You've got to sometimes bypass everybody and go straight to God. But stop sighing and start crying. Yeah. Maybe you don't ask for help because you, you're so used to being in bondage and it gives you sympathy from other people. And you like the power that you have over others, that you're the one that always needs the help. And you're afraid that if you get healed, you'll have to be the one helping. Or maybe you're worried about the answer when you cry out to God being worse than your problem. Woo, I just hit some. Bunch of little red lights just all over the place. Open up today and listen and see if the Holy Ghost will speak to you. Or maybe, watch this one, maybe you know that if you ask for help and don't just complain, maybe you'll now owe. Because when I ask someone to go out to eat, I kind of feel obligated to pay. I think today we're going to eat with Brandon, right? Let's take my debit card now, I guess, because I invited him. So stinking, got to pay for his meals. It's my fault. I'm the one that asked them, you know. You know, whenever you ask somebody for something, you kind of feel indebted to them. See, asking is a covenant between two parties. Sighing is a covenant between one. Complaining does not agree. 
Complaining does not partner. Complaining does not humble yourself. Complaining just lets you know you're mad, but you're not ready to change. And all you're doing is pushing people away. Can't live around that. Can't survive around that. Get the help that you need. I think it's incredible. Please hear me today. I think it's incredible how people would rather be a strong slave than a weak winner. Hey, y'all ever think about this? The Hebrew people that were slaves, the strongest people in the world. Nobody's stronger than those people. Those people for generation after generation would move rocks, build pyramids. They were the strongest people in the entire world, in my opinion, at that time. But sometimes you get so strong, you can't be weak. And you've got to resist that spirit that says, I can do this on my own. I can push through this. I can carry a bigger rock. you got to resist that spirit. That's not of God. That is not of God. That's oppression. That's not of God. That is a spirit that says, I'm going to stay this way. I might as well lift some weights this morning because I'll never get free. i just got to get tougher. I've got to get a harder heart because I'll always be in bondage. i just got to stay strong, Pastor. Some people would rather be a strong slave than a weak, confessional, open winner that confesses to God, I can't do this by myself. I'm talking to people today. I'm going to try to help you get out in Jesus' name. God was not moved by their complaints and nonverbal sessions of sorrow. The Bible does not say that the sigh come up unto God. The Bible says that the cry come up unto God, not the sigh. It's a completely different Hebrew word. Sigh did not go up to God. Cry did. Crying in this context uh, comes up unto God because crying, or the Hebrew word shiva, means to make a request for God's help. It doesn't even mean tears. It means a call for rescue. It means lifting up your voice and saying, I need you to come to me if I am going to make it. And that is what got up to heaven. That's the word that God heard. That's what moved God into action. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. We must call out to God at our time of distress and trust that he will hear us and deliver us. He is faithful to answer us. It doesn't take faith to complain. It takes faith to call. Anybody can complain. It takes faith to call on God because now you've got skin in the game because now he might not answer and you took faith to call anyway. Nothing moves God like someone that calls with no guarantee of an answer. Jesus. Nothing, nothing moves God like a step of faith that I don't even know if he'll come through for me. I carried rocks my whole life, but I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. Enough complaining. God, if you're out there, Jehovah God of my ancestors, if you're there, I'm done. I'm done being a strong slave. I can only take so much. My mind is starting to go. My body might be strong, but mentally I'm breaking down. You've got to send a helper. You've got to send away. I'm tired of this life. I am more than a slave you promised Abraham there would be a promised land 
Thank you, Jesus. This is not the life for you. You're miserable and you know it. Don't care how much you can carry. It's not your calling. I know you're tough. You don't have to prove that to us. I know you've been through it. I know you worked three jobs and paid the bills. I get it. You're strong, but are you a slave? Because you're called for more. You're called to be weak so that you can be a winner. Help us, God. Please, someone, stop building Egypt's wealth. Please stop working for the man. Please stop working for the taskmasters. Please realize that there's more for you. Please realize there's a promise for you. Please realize that God's got so much more than carrying rocks, thinking that you're working every day for something big. It's not for the kingdom of God. Now, there is another word we need to explore, but first, in chapter 3, when God is calling Moses, God doesn't repeat the condition of Israel as described in chapter 2. Let me show you. Exodus 2.23. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. Everybody say reason of bondage. Verse 25, it says, and God had respect unto them. Now, let's go to chapter 3, 7 and look at the same story. The same story said a different way and figure out why. Verse 7, Exodus 3 and 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Notice this, everyone, in chapter 2, God heard them, and the reason was that they said that they were in bondage. But now, he says, I hear them, and now they're saying it's for reason of the taskmasters. Is that there? Is that clear in Scripture? Why did they change it? Why did they stop saying we're in this mess because of our bondage and start saying we're in this mess because of our taskmasters? What's the reason? What shifted? What changed? The revelation of bondage is not enough to make you cry out to God. You have to have a revelation of your enemy. Hear me today in the Holy Ghost. It's not good enough for you to wake up and look at dusty hands and look at broken backs and say, I am in bondage, therefore I need out. You've got to understand the reason why you're still in the bondage is because there is a taskmaster, there's an authority, there is a power that is over your life. And until you break the strong man, you will never get out of your bondage. Listen, blaming the bondage leaves the door wide open. Bondage can suggest that you were in this mess because you're not valuable. But that's a lie from hell. If you were not valuable, hell wouldn't work so hard to keep you bound. You are valuable. You mean something. You are the apple of his eye. You're the chosen people of God. And it is not the will of God for you to live your life in bondage. But you need to get the revelation of the enemy. 
as soon as you recognize what's behind it, then you can rise up to God and call out and say, I am in this mess, not because I am wrong, but because Egypt is wrong. Get that thing off of you. You stop looking in the mirror saying you're trash. You're not trash. The enemy is a stealer and a liar and a killer. And he's after every single one of us. You know what we need right now? We need a deliverer. We need a stronger God, a fighter. We need someone to come set us free. We can't do this on our own. Hallelujah. Yeah, you're born in bondage, but you know that you don't belong here. You just got to recognize who the real enemy is and cry out for help. Jehovah, I am no longer telling you I need your help from bondage because I want out. I feel the Holy Ghost right now talking to somebody. You can't complain against your bondage if you want out. That's not the prayer request. The prayer request is, God sent me the power to get me out. I want out. I want out. I want out. I've made my mind up. I'm sick of this life. I'm done being in bondage. That's not the issue anymore. That's how I prayed in the beginning. But now I pray different. I want out, and I know who my problem is. It's the taskmasters of Egypt. And send me a deliverer, God. Clap your hands to the Lord today. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for the word. Somebody's going to be set free today in Jesus' name. If you want out, you will get out. If you're sick of it, he'll send somebody. But change your prayer to I'm ready. Just send me the power. I'm ready. Send me the deliverer. That's all right. Let's shout to God. God's going to set somebody free in Jesus' name. God's going to deliver someone in Jesus' name today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray right. I'm going to cry right. I'm going to get the attention of my God today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Look at the progression of pain. Your prayer changes in time. You start off not even knowing what you're praying about. You start off saying, I don't like that I'm in bondage, but that's not the prayer. The right prayer is, I know why I'm here, and it's not me. It's something bigger than me. It's something holding me back, something stronger, something with more power. But I know that you've got more power than the power of the taskmasters. I know that I cannot do this on my own, but I know who you are. I believe in you, and the only way I get out today is to recognize the reason, and the reason is the authority over me is evil. When you catch that, you pray right, and that cry goes up. God knows you're ready to get out. Here, 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 here we go before we, we finish this. Here's, the, here's another difference I saw. Exodus 2.25. Look at the difference. What, what changed over time from chapter 2 chapter 3? Exodus 2.25. And God looked upon the children. The Bible says that God saw Israel. He looked at them and that God had respect unto them. 
But that word in the Hebrew means to know, to be aware. So the first time that God looked down when they began to deal with God, God said, I see you and I know what you're going through. But later in chapter 3, when God talks to Moses, he says, he says, I've seen the affliction of my people and I now don't just know what they're, they're, that they're in a problem. I now know their sorrows. What happened between the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3 to cause the change in the prayer life of the bondage people? Something changed. Something here that we haven't uncovered yet because you can't just read the Bible to find the truth. You've got to study it. Now, who would have thought I would have looked up all the words cry in the original Hebrew and not just trust the King James Version translators to get it right? Because the word of God is not the King James Version. The King James Version is a good attempt to translate it from Hebrew and Greek into English so that we understand it. But you must study it. That's where the truth is at. So I find what happened between chapter 2 and chapter 3 is the Hebrew word for cry in chapter 2 means to call out for help like a question or like a request. At first glance, you'd think that this English word cry in chapter 3, talking to Moses, is the same definition. But when I looked up the Hebrew word, it was a different word. It did not just mean to cry out and ask for help. The Hebrew word was tushakal, and that word means to shriek. I said, God, what is a shriek if not a sigh and if not a cry? And I felt the Lord say to me, a shriek is the emotion of the sigh mixed with the request of a cry. It is the ultimate way to get God's attention. A shriek is a call to God on steroids. It's a call to God on speed dial. It's when you're backed up against the wall. And you don't have time to think and don't have time to process and you're sick and you're tired and all you've got left is a hell I know you've been there I know you know what I'm talking about it's when all the pride goes out the window and you say I'm done I'm not just going to ask all cute now I need deliverance right this minute hear the desperate cries of your people God it's not just emotional it's not just the groaning it's not just the question it's the mixture it's the culmination of everything you've ever done in one moment Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Musicians, let's come. Let's get ready. Someone's going to get set free today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Someone say in Jesus' name. This kind of call gets God's attention because it's everything you are. It's everything you are. Every part of you. It's not just your logical person who says, I better ask. It's not just your carnal flesh that says, I'm going through it. 
But it is the ultimate way to get to God and say, God, I'm done. I can't take another minute. I can't take another second. I am afraid. I'm scared. I've got to get his attention right this second. And our God is faithful to hear the shrieks of his people. He is faithful to hear the call of desperation. When you're going through the storms of life, there is something greater than a drug, greater than a person. There is a call to our faithful God who hears us. And the call goes up unto God. And God begins to work. And God begins to work. He begins to plan. He begins to call. He sends a deliverer. You don't have to leave this place the same. Before you start to pray too much, i got to finish. Let me tell you something. The most recent shriek that I heard, I don't want to embarrass Odessa, but it was from her. It wasn't long ago we were here at the church, and that morning there was a, a homeless gentleman walking around. He was on drugs, and he was in the property, around the property, and the some of the kids had heard about this, and they were trying to, to just be cautious of this. And there was great fear that came among some of the, the children. We investigated it. We talked to him. We figured out what was going on, and he, he, he left. But the fear was still there. Later in the afternoon, school is over. It's now after 3 o'clock, and Odessa, our 13-year-old girl, who's not exactly the tall, strong ready to fight a man kind of body stature she's small and vulnerable is in the office alone right here in the hallway I'm in the foyer and I'm with actually brother Omar I'm way up here she's way back here and out of nowhere I'm talking to Omar I hear the most the most shrill scream I've ever heard from her. I've probably heard from anybody. I could hear it all the way down this hall. It, it, it got everything in me. My heart stopped. I began to run to the corner to look and see what is so bad that, I mean, it just stopped me and Omar. Just, it just shut everything down. Well, what she didn't know is there were two very large bearded construction workers on site that day working for the church. And as one of them began to walk in the gym towards the office, Odessa, still thinking that this homeless man might be around, stepped into the hall as he was coming up towards the water fountain to get water right by our office door. And all she obviously could think is, I'm alone. This guy is massive. What if this is the homeless man causing problems on the property? And she had no time she had no time. She shrieked as loud as I've ever heard. And guess what? Everything in this father was prepared to do whatever it took to find out what the problem was and to fix it. 
I was so relieved when I realized what had happened, and she was safe, and I bragged on her, and I said, because she was scared, and I was scared, and I said, Odessa, you did it just right. Do not be embarrassed. This is how you can help. I'm on the way. I'm on the way. You think I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing when you hear something like that? You think a good father like our father would let you stay in the situation you're in? But you've got to be willing to break down every wall, every barrier. You've got to be willing to do anything it takes to get the attention of a good, strong, mighty right arm of God to reach down and set you free. And if you've got it in you to call the right way, then God's got it in Him to reach down and set you free in Jesus' name. Listen, chapter 3, verse 7, God tells Moses, he said, I see the affliction and I see the sorrow and I hear the shriek because of the taskmasters. Let's now go to chapter 3 and verse 8, the very next verse. And I and come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I hear you. I got you loud and clear, Israel. I got you loud and clear, church member. I hear you. I'm coming down. Your cry came up, and I'm coming down to fix this problem. Watch this. You ready? Watch this. He said, I'm going to come down. But watch this. I'm not just going to come down. I'm going to come down and I'm going to get you up out of that land unto a good land. I'm not just going to set you free. I'm going to set you free and bless you like ain't nobody ever blessed you. I'm going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to give you the land of the Canaanite enemy and the Hittite enemy and the Amorite enemy and the Perizzite enemy and the Hivite enemy and the Jebusite enemy. I'm not just going to get you out. You call to me the right way, I'll set you up, I'll hook you up, I'll bless you, I'll give you promised lands, I'll give you authority, not just over Egypt, but over the enemy to come, over the one in the future. Just lean on me is what God is saying. Jesus. 19 and 20, and then we'll be done. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand, but I will stretch out my hand. I will smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, listen to me, he will let you go. Enough sighing. And crying may not even get the job done. Might be time to step it up. Because the longer you head into this dismal darkness of evil and bondage, you start to realize you've only got one thing left. I've got to get his attention right now. And whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever you're going through right now, in Jesus' name, your cry goes up unto God. Hey, not your tears, your cry, your call. 
your desperation for help, your faith that you can get out. I recognize there's a devil. I recognize there's bondage. I recognize there's evil. But I know there's a God in heaven that can set me free right now with Jesus' name. And all I've got to do is call out to the Lord and he will answer in the name of Jesus. Why don't you begin to lift up a voice, a shout, a cry to God. Don't just sigh it. Don't just complain it. But why don't you go ahead and shriek and cry out to God. And see if the Lord will not set you free right now. Right now. Right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name. Come on, why don't you try it right now. Lift up that voice. With a loud voice of call. With a loud voice of call. I'm done. I can't take anymore. I'm sick of this life. I'm sick of this drugs. I'm sick of being addicted. I'm sick of not changing. I want it to change right this moment, God. That's it. He hears you. He hears you. He will. He will. Get desperate for it right now, friends. Get desperate for it right now, friends. Church family, what are you facing right now that nobody can fix? The complaining won't change. Call on the Lord. For whosoever calls on the Lord, the same shall be saved. It takes faith to cry out to God. It takes faith to shriek out to God. It takes faith. It takes humility. It takes humility and faith. Praise the Lord. Set them free right now in Jesus' name in this place. Hear their cries, Jesus. Hear the shrieks of your people. Hear the people today, God, that said enough is enough. I'm done dealing with this. I'm done with the bondage. I'm done with the taskmasters. I'm done with the attacks. I'm done with the oppression. I'm ready to get out. Send me instructions. Send me a deliverer. Send me a way out. I'll go. I'll go. I'll walk it. I'll talk it. I'll obey. I'll submit. But I'm done with the weights. I'm done trying to be so strong. Come on, let's all lift our voices up in unity right now. In Jesus' name. Let God know how much you want to be free. Let God know how much you want to be free in Jesus' name. If you can't cry it, you're not ready to get out. Jesus! Thou son of David, have mercy on me! When words fail you, the heart gets through to God. When words fail you, the heart gets through to God. I'm desperate for you, Lord. I'm desperate for you, Jesus. Come on, the Lord can set you free right now in Jesus' name. That's it, Bobby, right now in Jesus' name. A desperate cry out to God with faith. A desperate cry out to faith. A shriek unto God. 
a desperation to be free of this bondage in Jesus' name. I release right now in the name of Jesus every taskmaster spirit, every spirit of bondage in the name of Jesus. Set him free right now. Deliver him right now. Every thought, every oppression, every plague in the name of Jesus. With a mighty arm and a mighty hand right now, set him free in Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is your day to be delivered in Jesus' name. If you've tried and you've failed and you've tried and you've failed, come down here and get prayer. Come down here and talk to somebody who's already gotten out. Come down here and talk to somebody who's already been free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hey, let me tell our young people something. Y'all ready for this? Young people, listen to me. Young people, listen to me. You got stuff going on in your house? And you say, and nobody listening to me, and nobody understands. Let me tell you something. God knows what you're going through. And you're right. Ain't nobody can change your home except Jehovah. Ain't nobody can fix your problems except for Jesus. He's the only one that can fix it. If you'll ever learn how to shriek, ever learn how to cry out, ever learn how to humble yourself and call to God, He can change your situation. Woo! That's it, ladies. That's it, Braxton. Receive it right now, brother. Let the Holy Ghost baptize you right now, Jesus. It's happening in Jesus' name. Yes, it is. I said, yes, it is right now in Jesus' name. God hears you. Help us on the way. Help us on the way. He's faithful. Jesus is faithful. He's so good. He's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the mighty stretched out hand of God, through the miracle work and power of God, be free in Jesus' name. By the mighty work of God, be free in Jesus' name. You can walk out delivered. You can walk out free. You can walk out changed in Jesus' name. 